Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-3. Righteousness. In English, it's a commonly used word that is often defined as behavior that is morally right or good, especially within religious contexts. I'm going to suggest that righteousness has a much different connotation in the biblical texts and narratives. Let's look at it together. This is the podcast of Ancient Roads. Real Israel Talk Radio. Take me home. Join us for the next hour as we explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Now, here's our host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Ancient Roads Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi, and today we're going to have a look at the term righteousness. Now, in English, it's a commonly used word. It's often defined as behavior. That, that's a key term. Behavior that is morally right or good, usually within uh, a religious context. And... Uh, I'm going to suggest that um, we take a look at this in a different context, and that is the context of the biblical narratives, uh, according to ancient biblical Hebrew uh, and pictographic Hebrew, which we're going to get into in just a moment, okay? Now, throughout my walk of faith and my spiritual journey all through these years, I have uh, sought to Hebraically define some of the many words that we use regularly in our biblical studies. I've uh, considered this an important idea, because if we don't get the definition right, then it really can trip us up. We're just not going to get things right if we don't get the definition right. So I would like to have a look at this idea of righteousness as the biblical texts teach us to understand the term. Okay? Now, let's uh, look at righteousness essentially as, uh, as it's used in, you know, in everyday discourse you know, between one person and another person. The Oxford English Dictionary certainly a well-respected scholastic work of our time, essentially tells us how society is generally going to understand this idea. They define righteousness essentially as behavior that is morally right or good. And it's usually in the context of uh, some kind of a religious uh, perspective, okay? And uh, candidly, if we use that definition where righteousness is a focus on behavior, then uh, it could be said that we're guilty of what, uh, what could be understood as eisegesis. I'll spell that for you. E-I-S-E-G-E-S-I-S. Eisegesis. 
which literally means to lead into. So in other words, to read something into a text is eisegesis. So if we say, well, righteousness or to be righteous is all about this concept of behavior being a good, morally upright person, we are now going to be guilty of reading a definition into the biblical text and saying, that's what the Bible means by righteousness. And I'm saying, no, that's not what the Bible means by righteousness or to be righteous. The Oxford Dictionary is one of many well-respected dictionaries of our generation. But nonetheless, with, with, with this idea of eisegesis, that is, reading a meaning into a text, an interpreter is going to inject ideas, creating errors that all of us would be interpreters, and we're all doing interpretation at some level, okay? All of us are then going to attempt to align an idea with our preconceived notions, how we understand them. So in short, biblical eisegesis is going to force the Bible to agree with us. We will then be the ones to define what it is. And uh, look, this is very common out there in our world. So we're not blaming anybody. It's just the way we understand things. But I want to get back to the biblical narratives. So let's take a look at 1 John 3, 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Again, that's 1 John 3, 7. Now, if we were to uh, read into that passage a normal, everyday meaning for righteousness, as we understand it today in our biblical readings, then we could uh, essentially translate 1 John 3, 7 as he who practices moral uprightness in behavior is righteous, just as he is morally upright in his behavior. That's uh, the way we would normally understand it. So therefore, that's going to lead to each one of us doing a, uh, a judgment on people. We look at people in their lifestyle and we say, I don't know. I don't know. That person is living such and such a lifestyle that appears to be unrighteous. That is, the behaviors, the actions, the thoughts, the way that that person sees things and responds to things. It's, it's not righteous. It's unrighteous. It's not morally upright and acceptable. That's how we would read it. So we'll go around nitpicking at people's lives and saying they are or he is or she is unrighteous. 
Now, on the other side, we can say, oh, that person is a saintly person. That person has a good attitude. They are beautiful in their moral uprightness and in the way they see things and the way they respond and their actions. Therefore, they are righteous. They're morally, behaviorally acceptable to this society. So again, it's a judgment either way. And uh, the biblical texts are going to give us a different idea. Okay, let's take a look at another passage. For example, Hosea 10.12. Hosea 10.12. Sow to yourselves or sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek Yehovah or Yahweh or Yudhevavhe until he comes and rains righteousness on you. So again, we could take this word righteousness as it appears in that text and say, oh, well, that just refers to someone who is morally and behaviorally correct, according to our society's understanding and definition of what moral uprightness and moral correctness is a kind of moral relativism, if you'd like to put it that way, okay? So this idea is perpetuated through our biblical readings. And uh, another passage could be Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk 2.4, the prophet in the Hebrew narratives, the Bible. And this passage is actually quoted by Paul in Romans 1.17. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, this is interesting because here in the New King James Version, we get the term just as given to us by the translators or the translation team, they're saying instead of righteous, it's but the just shall live by his faith, or the, the righteous will live by his faith. And uh, again, this idea is that of a moral relativism, so to speak. So let's take a look at how righteousness should be understood. The only way that we can really get a, a, a full, uh, a full-on picture of this idea, is by returning back to the ancient Hebrew uh, pictographic language. You see, to say the term "righteous" or "righteousness," you would say it with the Hebrew word "tzaddik," tzaddik. Okay, tzaddik. And that is spelled with the Hebrew letter Tzadi Dalet Kuf. Tzadi Dalet Kuf. Now, I don't have anything here I can show you because this is radio, obviously. But if you want to go and pick up a chart or go online and do a search on the Hebrew letter Tzadi or Tzadik, as it's sometimes used... You can see how it is shaped. 
And the shape that we have today uh, derives from the old Babylonian square block letters of Hebrew. And that's what's used in today's modern everyday Hebrew today is the block letters. We also have uh, uh, script letters, but that's uh, something a little bit different. But let's talk about the block letters of Hebrew, which is today's modern Hebrew. Whether it's biblical or modern, it's still the Hebrew text, okay? Tzadi Dalet Kuf. That is how you spell tzadik, or the word righteous. Now, what's interesting in Hebrew is that every letter of the 22 Hebrew letters has a meaning. Consonants in languages as we use today don't really have a meaning as such. But in Hebrew, it's far different. Every Hebrew letter has its own separate meaning. And that's important. And we derive those meanings from a very early script of biblical Hebrew referred to as Paleo-Hebrew, or sometimes as Pictographic Hebrew. Pictographic Hebrew goes back a long, long time, way back to the days of Egypt, uh, and according to actually to some scholars, to the time of Joseph. And uh, there are some people, such as uh, Tim Mahoney, who... Uh, is uh, part of the uh, the filmmaking uh, uh, world. Uh, Tim believes uh, that the uh, Joseph was the actual uh, character in the Bible that developed what we know today to be the Hebrew language. Um, he may very well be right. He makes a very good case for that. So the point is that the Hebrew letter tzadi has a meaning that is very specific to a pictograph what it looks like, what it transmits, how it transmits an idea. Now, as with all Hebrew roots, such as the three letters tzadi, dalet, and kuf, forming the word tzadik, or righteousness, or righteous as we understand it, there is always going to be a broad spectrum of meaning. So in the case of the tzaddik, with that letter spelled the way it's spelled, its broad spectrum meaning is about exoneration or acquittal, exonerating or acquitting someone. And it's derived from the action of squeezing or pressing in order to produce a discharge. That's the idea behind the pictograph of biblical, true biblical Hebrew, going way back even into the times of Joseph or in the times of Egypt. So it's a very long time ago. So essentially the three-letter root of Tzadi Dalet Kuf which we get righteous, it means to exude, to squeeze, press, suck, drain out water, juice, or oil, 
from a plant. Again, exude, squeeze, press, suck, drain out something like water or juice or oil from a plant. So now, let's go and talk about this idea further. Now, the reason why I'm really presenting this in the way that I am here is because if we understand what the term Tzadi Dalit Kuf refers to, if we understand its pictographic letter meaning, we're going to know what the term means in Yah's Word, in the Word of God, in biblical, true biblical Hebrew. Most modern scholarship refers to the ancient Hebrew text as proto-Sinatic, proto-Sinatic, that is, before Sinai. And that stuff usually goes back to around the 15th century before Yeshua, even, even before that, okay? So in the case of the letter Tzadi, its earlier form, as I said, appears as a kind of compressed uh, plant. We could call it a compressed reed, uh, a compressed papyrus, or even a wheat-like plant. Yes, a wheat-like plant. So the ancient image of the Tzadi strongly suggests a link to squeezing, pressing, or draining out of a liquid from a reed, from a papyrus, or even from a uh, wheat-like plant or stalk. That's the general idea. Now let's take another word. Uh, that is the letter or word mem. Interesting, we get the word mother from it. In modern English, it comes from that mm sound. Mom, mother, mum. Okay, mem. And mem is a Hebrew letter which is spelled like it sounds. Mem. Okay, and in pictographic Hebrew, it looked like waves of water. That's how it was pictographically transmitted down line. It looked like some waves of water. And you can check a chart on this and you can see what I'm talking about, okay? Now, if we take the letter mem or the word mem in Hebrew and we prefix that to the letter tzadi, we're going to get a word. We're going to get a word. So we get words like squeezing, sucking, distress, pressing, or yes, even uh, uh, oppression. For example, let's take this Hebrew letter mem and prefix it to the tzadi. Each of those letters have their own pictographic meanings. So we have waves of water, and we have this idea of squeezing and pressing or sucking or distress. Let's put those two together. Squeezing, sucking, distress, pressing, 
plus the idea of water, juice, oil, or some kind of liquid. Put those two together. And what you're going to get are words in the Hebrew text, the Hebrew Bible, that uh, give us other ideas. So, for example, in Isaiah 66, 11, we have the word matzatz, matzatz, mem tzadi tzadi, or mem tzadi tzadi tzofit. There's a final uh, ending letter there, okay? Matzatz. And in Isaiah 66, 11, it means to suck deeply. And in doing so, it produces a juice or a liquid. And even in today in modern Israeli contemporary Hebrew, if you ask, you know, someone on the street or in the grocery store for orange juice or apple juice, you must preface the word orange or apple with the term meats or mem yud tzadi, meats. And that is the word for juice. So let's say that we're under distress. Well, then the word appears in Isaiah 51.17 as matzit, matzit. And that is the idea of distress. We're sucking, squeezing the juice or the life out of us. Now, let's look at this idea of a wheat stalk. If you dry out wheat or you dry out a wheat stalk, you're going to get the Hebrew word from mem tzadik also. You'll get it from the same root as a discharge of sweat. So to drain out a wheat stalk, it will come from those two letters, mem tzadi, which is the word for chaff or straw. Chaff or straw. And what is chaff? What is straw? It's a wheat stalk that's all dried out, that has no life in it anymore because all of the inner moisture has been sucked out of it. And you can see that in passages such as uh, Zephaniah 2 2 or Psalm 1 verse 4 or Job. 2118. Again, Zephaniah or Zephaniah 2 2. Psalm 1 4 or Job 2118. Now, in this last example, perhaps you might be familiar with the biblical story of Gidon or Gideon in Judges 638. Judges 638. If you look there, You'll see in the Hebrew that Gidon Matzatz, Matzatz, he squeezed water from out of his fleece when he was putting the Almighty to a test to want to know if, in fact, his message from the All-Eternal One was actually valid, if it was from him or not. Okay? Judges. 638, Gidon, the word there is matzatz, from the root mem tzadi. When we come back on the next half hour, 
I want to continue this idea and study this meaning further because it is definitely going to play into our understanding of what righteousness or tzaddik means in biblical Hebrew. We'll know it when we look at these meanings. That's why I'm taking the time to do this the way I'm doing this here on the program today. So let's come back and we'll take a closer look at this idea of mem tzaddi, that is water, juice, liquid, and the idea of tzaddi squeezing, sucking, distress, or pressing. Let's put those two together and we'll see how things play out in the term righteousness. We'll come back. You are listening to Avi Ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-3. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Join us as we continue to explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, let's continue where we left off uh, just before the break, and uh, we're talking about uh, the Hebrew letter tzaddik, or tzaddi, and its meaning of pressure, draining, sucking, or squeezing. And uh, just before the Hebrew letter tzaddik, we put a prefix of another letter, and that is the mem. The mem is the Hebrew letter that uh, gives us the idea of water or juice or liquid. It has kind of like little waves in the pictographic biblical Hebrew, okay? So we take mem and tzadi, those are the two letters, and we put them together and they give us words such as matzatz, matzatz. You can see that in Isaiah 66.11. And it means to suck deeply, to press, to suck, to squeeze. And in doing so, it produces a, a, um, a juice or a liquid. And uh, I was... Uh, talking to you uh, previously here that uh, in uh, everyday street language for Hebrew today, uh, you know, if you want some orange juice or apple juice, you're going to preface the word orange or apple with the term meats, mem, yud, tzadi, sofit, or tzadi, okay? That's meats. That is the word for juice. So you're saying, I want the juice of an apple, the juice of an orange, etc. Now, in a similar way, if you are under a lot of distress or duress, uh, the word that would be used in Hebrew from the Bible would be matzit, matzit. And uh, you can see that in Isaiah 51, 17. Isaiah 51, 17. And there, in that text, it's described as the process of 
draining or sucking out something. But it's not just physical. It can also be an emotional draining or an emotional duress, such as in Deuteronomy 28.57, which is linked to the Hebrew letters Mem Tzadi. Okay, this is all understood from the pictographs of these Hebrew letters. Distress or duress, it's from the Mem Tzadi root, producing the idea of some kind of discharge. In the case of Deuteronomy 28, 57, it's a bodily discharge uh, or something of sweat or juice coming off the body. Now, let's look at this idea of a wheat stalk. If you dry out wheat or dry out a wheat stalk, you're going to get the Hebrew word from mem tzaddik also. You'll get it from the same root as a discharge of sweat. So to drain out a wheat stalk, it will come from those two letters, mem tzaddi, which is the word for chaff or straw. Chaff or straw. And what is chaff? What is straw? It's a wheat stalk that's all dried out, that has no life in it anymore because all of the inner moisture has been sucked out of it. And you can see that in passages such as uh, Zephaniah 2.2 or Psalm 1 verse 4 or Job 21.18. Again, Zephaniah or Zephaniah 2.2, 2, Psalm 1.4 or Job 21.18. Now, in this last example, perhaps you might be familiar with the biblical story of Gidon or Gideon in Judges 6.38. Judges 6.38. If you look there, you'll see in the Hebrew that Gidon matzatz, matzatz, he squeezed water from out of his fleece when he was putting the Almighty to a test to want to know if, in fact, his message from the All-Eternal One was actually valid, if it was from him or not. Okay? Judges 638, Gidon, the word there is matzatz, from the root mem tzadi. Now, if we take the Hebrew letter mem and we place it on the other side of the tzadi, that is, instead of putting it as mem tzadi, move it to the other side and make it tzadi mem. Now, you're going to get the word Tsum or tsum, tsum, tsadimem. And what word does that produce in Hebrew? That's the word for a food or water fast. If you're going to do fasting, you're doing a tsum. That's tsadimem. And what is a fast? Well, we know what it is. 
It's a deprivation of food and or water. In other words, we dry out. Life is drained out if we go on too long in that condition of the deprivation of food and or water. And you can see this idea of tsum in Judges 20, verse 26, or in 1 Kings 21, 9. 1 Kings 21, 9, that's with Jezebel, okay, who is uh, accusing Nabot or Navot of something that he didn't do. And he's she's telling everybody to fast and put on sackcloth and ashes. That's 1 Kings 21.9, or in Judges 20.26. So the bottom line, the concept of the Hebrew letter tzadi, or tzadik, as some might say it, is that of sucking, squeezing, draining, drying, and or pressing in order to remove or exude through an applied pressure, the juice that comes from, you know, seeds, nuts, plants, reeds, wheat, a wheat stalk, a reed, a papyrus, things like that. So that should give you a good idea, pictographically, what this idea is with the term tzadi or tzadik for which we get the English word righteousness. Now, with all this said, let's add some vowels to these consonants of tzadi, dalet, kuf, which is the word for righteousness, or tzadik. When using the letter tzadi and adding vowels to its root, now the overall meaning is going to have a a, a much wider connotation in its ideas. So here are some examples of the words that emerge when we add vowels to the root letters tzadi, dalet, kuf. This is adding vowels now. Tziduk, that's tziduk. It's justification or vindication in English or an acknowledgement of justice in a judgment. That's tziduk. Tzadik, tzadik, that vowel combination produces a meaning of justness or to be just, to be pious, virtuous, right, correct. But again, I'm focusing on these ideas of justness. Now let's go to the word tzedik, tzedik. That is the idea of justice, salvation, deliverance, victory. See, when you put that vowel to tzedek, that's the word you get in English. Now, let's get the word merit in English, merit, or alms, or charity, or justice. That is tzedakah or tzedakah, tzedakah, or tzedakah, some might say, depends on how you're going to pronounce it, tzedakah, merit, alms, charity, justice. We might call that in English by the term grace, 
which is a different word, but the concept is that of grace, tzedakah, or tzedakah. Now let's go to this idea of biblical righteousness with all of the concepts we have developed thus far. So the biblical idea of being a a tzaddik or one who is righteous refers to a number of ideas of uh, one who is squeezed or one who has had the a drying out of a judgment. So in the case of biblical righteousness, the idea is that of a removal or sucking out or pressing out or drying out of a judgment or, if you will, a removal or acquittal of a penalty. The removal or acquittal of a penalty. So therefore, righteousness, tzaddik, refers to this concept of pressing or squeezing out a destructive condemnation. And when that destructive condemnation is squeezed out of us, when we are acquitted of a penalty or we have been subjected to the removal of some kind of destructive thing in our lives, it is then said that we are tzaddik, that we are righteous, or we have a justness. Yes, that is an English word. Justness. So, the spiritual condition that we have is now elevated to that of being just, justified, vindicated, virtuous, or saved. Again, just or justness, justified, vindicated, virtuous, and saved. What I'm getting at, it doesn't really have much to do with this moral uprightness of, uh, you know, having a behavior that is just uh, uh, matching some kind of moral relativism of a culture. That's not where we're going with this. At least that's not what the Bible is showing us as a definition. So let's go to Isaiah 60, verse 21. And your people are all righteous. They will inherit the land forever. For Jehovah, the Almighty Eternal One, to judge his people as righteous or as tzaddik, or that they have righteousness, this is nothing short of a full acquittal from a horrendous judgment, a removal of a judgment, an acquittal of a judgment or the penalty of a judgment. This is the righteousness that Jehovah is referring to. And I say that righteousness or this judgment is the divine eternal word of Genesis 2.17. When you go back to read 
Genesis 2.17, it is referring to the law of sin and death from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was a judgment that was placed on all of Adam's descendants. That's you and I, folks. That was placed on him. It was spoken to him in Genesis 2.17, but it applies to us because we were sold under the bondage of the law of sin and death. So in other words, biblical righteousness, biblical tzaddikness, if you would like to put it that way, involves one side of a two-sided directive. It is about Jehovah's justice and our response to that justice, or Jehovah's justness and our response to that justness. That is the idea. Jehovah, Yudhevave, or Yahweh, removes the condemnation that all mankind inherited. That's important. That all mankind inherited from the Genesis 2.17 decree or sentence that was placed upon Adam. We inherited that curse, that decree. I will call it the inheriting of a genetic curse. Through the process of Messiah's completed actions, that of sucking, squeezing, pressing, draining out, and taking upon himself our sin and death, our contaminants of sin and death. By him taking all those on, he is squeezing that judgment, that curse, that genetic curse from the garden. He's squeezing it out of us, and he's putting it on himself that he himself will become squeezed, pressed, drained out, and the life sucked out of him for our sake. And friends... That is the basis of Isaiah 53. That is Isaiah 53, 1 through 4. Well, the whole section of Isaiah 53 talks about it, but that is what Isaiah 53 is referring to. It is a sucking and squeezing process by which he takes our judgment, our curses, all of everything that destroyed us with that penalty and that condemnation from the garden tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he put it on himself, he took it, and in doing so, he got the squeeze, he got the judgment, and he got the condemnation for us. Thus, we were declared just or righteous. We were declared with, uh, with the decree of justness or tzaddikness 
for lack of a better English term, tzaddikness or righteousness. And because he made us righteous, because he declared us tzaddik or just, we therefore can respond to him as we are in our new inner man. That is the beauty of this salvation that we speak about in the new covenant, which I'm going to be addressing in a future program. We do not act righteous or tzaddik to be declared righteous or tzaddik. No, no, no. We do not act behaviorally righteous in the sense of a do-it-yourself justness in order to be declared just. Yehovah never set it up that way. In the biblical text, in the biblical narratives, we do justness and we do tzaddik. We do the life of a tzaddik because Yehovah's justness now lives in us. His justness now lives in us. So, we do justness because Messiah is the just one. He is the justness for us. He took it on himself, all of that squeezing so that we could be granted and decreed as tzaddik, or just. Therefore, concerning Abraham and his seed, in Genesis 18, 19, we learn something very, very beautiful here. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they guard the way of Jehovah to do justness, to do tzedakah, that is, grace, to do grace, to do this justness idea. In other words, it is a just judgment from Yah when he declares us Tzaddik. And that is described by another term in Hebrew. It's called Mishpat. Mishpat, which brings us a Tzaddik judgment. The judgment of being called a Tzaddik. Translators in the biblical texts, they interchange these words Mishpat and Tzaddik uh, in English. In Hebrew, there are two very specific words with very specific meanings. But in English, people are often uh, changing. They're, they're doing a, a change routine as though uh, it's going to work that way. It doesn't work that way. So this is the idea of what Genesis 18:19 is saying from Yah to us as about Abraham that uh, he says, I have known him. 
in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they may guard the way of Jehovah to do justness or tzedakah or grace, to give grace, to give mercy. When we come back on the next podcast, I want to continue with the second part of this study of tzaddik or righteousness, and we'll look at this idea of the world's demand for legal justice. It is very important because justice or justness is part of yud heh uh, plan for all mankind. We'll look at it on the next podcast. This podcast was brought to you by the Outreach Ministry of Coming Home. Visit our website at www.cominghome.co.il. If you have questions or comments, direct them by email to questions at cominghome.co.il. Again, questions at cominghome.co.il. Take me home down Ancient Roads. You've been listening to the podcast of Ancient Roads. Real Israel Talk Radio. With your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. We hope you have discovered fresh insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. This podcast was brought to you by the Outreach Ministry of Coming Home, www.cominghome.co.il. Yah willing, we'll see you next time for Ancient Roads, Real Israel, Talk Radio.